Welcome to the Unstoppable Profit Podcast. This podcast will give independent insurance agents all of the tools to grow your business and live life on your terms. Wherever you are today, if you're starting with nothing or well on your way to the success you desire with the right people, processes, and promotions in place, you will be unstoppable. And now I'd like to introduce your host, Mike Stromso. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Unstoppable Profit Podcast. Today, I have on the podcast not only a longtime colleague, friend, but an absolute disruptor in the insurance industry space. And I'm privileged and honored to have him back on the podcast, Mr. Jesse Parenti. Jesse, how are you doing, sir? Doing fabulous, Mike. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So uh, before we get too deep into the weeds, so to speak, uh, bring everybody up to date. What are you doing nowadays? Where have you been last couple of years? And that'll set the table for where we're going today. Um, well, last two years have been kind of exciting, been a rocket ship and a lot of change. Um, my firm got acquired by PCF Insurance uh, Brokers. Uh, they're now top 20 largest retail agency in the United States. Um, I was their national programs director. Um, leading our pizza delivery division, our cannabis division, Nine Point Strategies, and ultimately kind of pushing everyone to have the ability to tap into niches and specialization on a national level. Um, held that position for about four years and recently just stepped down from the practice um, and actually handed my portfolio over to one of my executive producers, Kirk Miller, doing a great job. And from there, what I did is I opened up JP Squared Consulting, the risk management consulting firm. And we're doing a lot of exciting stuff for people that are needing it. Um, my background, obviously, in the cannabis space the last seven plus years um, is kind of my focus for what we'll be doing moving forward. But beyond that, it's just exciting to be doing things and disrupting in a quiet way. <laughs> Some planned proactive disruption, eh? True that. Fantastic. So, and, and that's how you built the pizzeria uh, niche, which really, down below that, if you want to micro niche it per se, the delivery aspect, which is where you really learn the sweet spot initially of risk management and everything else, why it's so important when you're developing niches and ultimately programs, uh, phenomenal stuff. So let's go back to pizzerias for just a minute. So you identified that you you grew up in food, right? Yep. Born in food, raised in restaurants, grocery stores, uh, pretty much was working them for about 25 years. So I got into the insurance industry um, after about a year of doing personal lines, which I was being successful, but wasn't happy. I learned that you could actually do commercial insurance focused on restaurants primarily for a couple of years. Uh, luckily, kind of got introduced to the pizza delivery industry and with support from you um, and also some luck, uh, we were able to make a very large acquisition from Willis, become one of the largest brokers in the food delivery industry. And it really helped cut my teeth on specialization and really having to de deliver on something much more than price um, and really solve people's problems for the business owners. Um, when you're helping a pizzeria, they don't have a lot of money. So they have a lot of stress, a lot of lack of time, but yet they still need solutions. So right. for us, we really internally were unique where we partnered with an HR and safety company who long-term became an actual full partner and joined our firm. I'm a real big proponent on proactiveness. Um, I'm really big on risk managers overall. Um, and when people think about that, 
it's 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 broad, but it's actually kind of focused. And 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 for me, it's really the mindset of what you do. And if you come in with an idea of solving a problem, not quoting insurance, that's really the beginning of separating yourself from what everyone else is doing in the industry. The problem solved is an opportunity for sale. And and you did phenomenal stuff in the pizzeria niche and the delivery aspect. You created technology, specific proprietary technology to help these pizzeria owners and brought onto the scene nothing something they hadn't seen before that made not only their lives easier, but the carriers bought in. And that's how you took it national, got on uh, boards of very large pizza organizations, and they took you over to Hawaii for their annual event. I know you suffered through that. I'm just kidding. And so yeah, that's that, really that be, rough six years. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember you suffering. So, Mike, I'm suffering so much. But anyway, <laughs> with that being said, you took that model and you just took the model and the basic principles of the model, moved it over to cannabis, created that, dominated in that. You had the delivery aspect as well. But if you look for a common theme through all of it, that's what we're going to talk about today. And it's been risk management safety, HR, and the such. So for anybody that's out there that's working within commercial lines, niches, programs, and you are not, uh, you don't have a systematic, refined, currently up-to-date risk management, HR, safety system in place, uh, this man uh, maybe somebody you want to talk to and just, you know, talk it through and make sure you get to the right place. So let's help them out today. Shall we, JP? Absolutely. Here to Fantastic. Take so, care of people. Let, let's exactly. Uh, that's why you and I have always gotten along so well. We're just, we're here for one reason, to help and take care of people. With that being said, let's start kind of 10,000 foot level. What is risk management? So for me, I've tried to simplify this when explaining it to people. I call it CSA, culture, safety, and accountability. And that is really the baseline of any organization that is successful. Um, and when people talk about culture, culture is what you do and don't do for your employees, how employees treat each other and what they do, what accountability there is if there's negative or positive actions going on by employees, what documentation do you have that reinforces these principles? And from there, when I'm interviewing anyone to especially work with me, the first thing I, I really dive into is their culture because I believe anything can be fixed with a true a work, true plan, which is risk management, communication, and working together. But you got to believe in actually what culture is. And I literally told me, had people tell me, that's full of crap. I literally go, thank you for your time, and I walk. Right. I put a lot of time into people to solve problems and insurance is really one mechanism that we have in our world. It's that's all it is. It's a, it's a risk transfer. We're selling a contract with the belief that if we have a loss, there's going to be payables back to the person that had the contract. There's way more that we do in our world beyond that. And that's been really for plus at least 10 years for me now learning from people that have helped me understand this where I got successful a long time ago was I had a friend of mine, Daisy Bach, who was head of our HR company before she joined our firm. And I had approached her when I was in the restaurant industry well before cannabis had happened and said, I would like to help you solve problems. And she said, I've never had anyone actually come to me and say that. I said, I know that if I help you, 
you'll help introduce me and I can help earn trust. If you've got a portfolio of people, and this is kind of a long-term where I started off with the, the GGRA, which is the Golden Gate Restaurant Association, and the CCIA, which is the California Restaurant Association, they kind of pivoted me to these individual people that had been in their industries. They were being successful. And I used to call Daisy the, gay, the golden goose. She literally would sit me down next to her. She'd be addressing the problem and then pivot when the insurance came applicable. We'd address workman's comp. We'd address property. We'd address auto. And at that point, that person would earn trust without even knowing me. And in return, I would get an opportunity. By solving her problems, she proceeded to change her relationship with me over any other broker. And she's like, I've done this with 10 brokers in 30 years and no one really does what you do. And for me, it was once again, not about me, about you. And if I solve the problem, I will receive business by earned trust. And that aha I got from that little thing that she did with me changed how I did everything. And then we did the same thing with safety. They had an OSHA safety company. We learned very quickly in cannabis that if you actually help people be proactive, they will trust you in a way that no one has. So learning what the industry you work in, find, identify their pain and solve their problem. Even if it's not coming from you, do the work, find trusted resources, because ultimately you will find by building these relationships, whether you bring it in house, which is, is, is a great process, a lot of smaller agencies don't have that, that P&L to allow for it. So right. find a strategic partner that actually can be your partner. Sometimes there's splits, sometimes there's not. I've had relationships where I didn't care about anything they gave me. I just wanted the opportunity for them to refer back to me because they knew that every time they referred to me, it did exactly what their clients need. They said, thank you back to them. That's a good business relationship. And ultimately everybody wins. So uh, it's not about me, about them and keep it simple. And that's where things move forward. It's about giving first. And that's always been one of your top things. And you've always been a giver first. Uh, reciprocity, fantastic stuff. So one of the things that I also learned a number of months ago uh, from some of my studies about culture, just to see this in, I'm not sure if you ever heard of this. I think about it as the invisible architecture of your business. Love that. You can't really see it, but it's there, right? And and it's that cloud or it's not a cloud and it's clear or not. So 100% I've agree. Into, I've walked into agencies and you can feel the energy that's fabulous. And you're like, wow. And then you talk to people, you know what's going on. And then you know the opposite. You walk in, you're like, whoa, this place is, I, I mean, I haven't even talked to people. And you can feel it's ice cold here in the culture. And it's like, that is very real when it comes to success. And for me, I use the insurance as one thing, but ultimately I want to partner with this person. I want to work with them. I want to solve their problems. And if this is how they treat their staff, how are they going to treat you? So these exactly. are things with the that when really you're initially meeting someone as a prospect or a business owner, you want to be aware and see these things. A hundred percent. So we have a culture of risk management, it's present within the organization. So let's move that over to HR and OSHA safety as an example. So why is that important for clients? And what are the results when you have a solid HR and OSHA safety program present for your clients and you're helping them implement it in their business? 
one of the biggest learning lessons I've had in the past 10 years has been you could have a problem with an employee, but when the HR department is not communicating with the safety department, they sometimes tend to be the same problem and it could easily be resolved by just communicating. The two key things that you have for these each departments, you have your human resources, they have their employee handbook. That's their Bible. Then on the OSHA safety side, you have three elements. First, you have the IIPP, which is the Injury Illness Pre Prevention Planner Program. Then you have your CHCP, which is your Chemical Hazard Communication Program or plan. And then you have your EAP, which is your uh, Emergency Action Plan. Those are the Bibles of safety. They both have documentation that are basically going to save your butt in court if something goes sideways. HR is going to be an employee-related issue, a discriminatory issue, a, a harassment issue. Once again, if you have it in the con you have it in the employee handbook, whether you use it or not, there's documentation. If things aren't signed, things aren't there, it doesn't exist. One of the worst examples I have of a bad claim, but we had a great result, was we had a young line cook cooking at one of my large restaurant groups. He got a three de third degree uh, skin and uh, from oil, skin burn from oil. Horrific. This kid was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Everyone was bad. It was um, the type of crime where OSHA has to be notified by law within eight hours. They are on site within 24 hours. Now here's the good. We had our IPP. We had been doing our monthly trainings. We had documentation. Within a week, we got a fine while investigating all this. This I'm thinking it's back. We got a fine, and then they came out and documented what they needed to after the fact. Fine came out at $227,000. OSHA will come out and fire at you, and, and you are forced and required to defend to prove that you are not liable for these charges. Back to the point of the individual. We had done the IPP, done the trainings, and everything. Our investigation determined the young man had been out partying all night long, had not slept. He not only had missed three trainings, he missed the training on his oil. So all these things that we literally had a personal lawsuit and a work comp claim and an OSHA issue, work comp take care of his medical, and we actually got it closed because they were going for like millions of dollars, and then we paid about 100 grand in medical. He had a little bit of skin surgery had to be happened. He did not get disability. He did not get, um, like, the EEOC and other uh, organizations came after us. He got shot down because of our investigation and also us doing our part. We had been doing training. We did have the documentation. I will tell you that my client did not have $228,000. Right. And we had a serious problem if this was going down. We had a lot of insurance, but when the insurance wasn't covering anything because of negligence. So I always say... Doing it's important. Document it's even more important because if you do it and you didn't document it, it never happened. Well, and it's back to one of the things. The one thing, which is the reason why people aren't successful personally and professionally, it's lack of a C word, right? Consistency. Yes. And so the fact that it was installed and then we're doing it consistently, the fact that he made the choice not to attend Ultimately, that was his responsibility. So yeah. fantastic. And that just proves that the results will happen. But it takes uh, one thing that you've got to do first, right? Which is. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, 
my, my, my group was uh, far from perfect. We got a little lucky because technically they had seven locations. Got to have an IPP at all of them. We only had it at four. So at that point, we had immediately realized this has to be fixed. We got all the stores up to date. Everything was done within 30 days. We were in a better position, thankfully having something that we learned from, took action, and then moved forward. And that's also the key is things are going to happen. you gotta, you got to move quickly, assess, and get things corrected because, especially in California, uh, we don't have any time or leniency. We'll get hammered in court if we, we think uh-huh. we're not doing it correctly. 100%. But luck is where preparation meets opportunity. So you, you got a little lucky because you had prepared, but the opportunity was to fully prevent and prepare after that. So great, great story, great work. And I know there's many, many, many similar to this in your history. So back to culture for just a minute. Why is an organization's culture important when it comes to work comp and claims management? If everyone isn't aware of this term called modified duty, it's the best example of what culture can or can work against you if this happens. An employee is injured. They are back, whether on the work line or they're there at the restaurant or in the field, and they're on modified duty. And modified duty is usually very restricted. It could be weight-bearing. It could be turning. It could be very limited in aspect, but I always recommend our our clients get their employees on modified modified duty because if they're not, they're sitting on their couch, they're watching commercials saying, "Hurt at work, call me," and it creates the, this perpetuation of cost that doesn't solve a problem. But from the modified duty, where this can work really well, and I've actually had it work negative. I have had agricultural workers have their employees paint dirt. Mm. purposely to get them to get back to work because they don't want to have the claim get manipulated. I had another gentleman that had someone separate separate screws and bolts for his warehouse of tools until the guy got so annoyed he wanted to get back to work. I've had it also go opposite of me on a restaurant where we had people just doing napkins and rolls. They were very content doing napkins and rolls way beyond what they needed. So back to the culture aspect if an employee is manipulating something and they're working at a third of the capacity that someone is right next to them, and there's not accountability, this is where your culture can go sideways because you can have a bad actor create this poison basically amongst your entire workforce or on a shift, and it's purely because they're manipulating it. So for us, culture is something that's managed. That's where it's reinforced by safety, and then you have to have accountability. Um, when you have these things, it reduces this opportunity from happening. And furthermore, when you do it correctly, give an example, hey, an employee gets hurt, we take immediate medical attention, they, a manager takes them somewhere, and they get back to work two days later, and they're talking about, man, I bumped my head, and John took me to the ER, and he sat there with me for three hours, got me home, the nurse called me the next day, and, and then I was back to work. The rest of the employees go, whoa, if I get hurt, they're actually going to take care of me. And that's the where culture is a very big positive. And I always say culture is an opportunity for us to level up and to rise up and to help everyone realize that we're all on the same team, we're all on the same engine, but that same that can go negatively if you don't. So when I'm meeting <laughs> people, especially leadership, they will literally tell me, oh, yeah, we're all different. 
Well, if leadership doesn't actually reinforce what middle management and the employees do, we've got a problem. That happened to me two weeks ago. Ten of us are sitting there on a safety inspection wearing PPEs, which is personal protective equipment. We're standing there waiting for, I think, the VP. He's late. We're on every gear. He comes in, basically acts like this is ridiculous. We're late. Let's keep moving. And was the worst example I've ever seen in leadership on how important safety is. We were there for safety securely. That's all we were there for. And instead of him actually taking three minutes, putting on a hood, booties, everything he needed to that we all had, he mobbed in. And I'm talking every person, even the leadership we were with, were like, whoa, like they were embarrassed. So these are the things that when you're working with someone, you got to be aware and paying attention because you can do everything right. And when leadership doesn't support it, you might be pushing up a rock that you'll never fix. And sometimes, I mean, not all money's good money. A hundred percent. And they're watching it from a leadership perspective. They're watching everything you do and everything you don't do and listening to everything you say and everything you don't say. And it does start at the top. So back to the decision maker, right? They've got to be on board. I, I said, keep rolling because you prompted something in my mind. I love me some Patrick Lincioni. And uh, I'm currently in one of his books. Somebody nice. introduced me to it. The truth about employee management. And so I think this is a perfect opportunity to share something. Uh, and you may or may not have heard these exact words. I was in the chapter just this morning. And it's about measurement in a business. And it plays right into what you're talking about, JP. Basically, a job is bound to be miserable if it doesn't involve measurement. Okay. So with regard to risk management, HR, OSHA safety, work comp, claims management, and what we're going to talk about in just a minute, it's all measured in some way. But what I read on the next page was even more powerful. Because people who aren't good at their jobs don't want to be measured, because they then they have to be held accountable for something. Great employees love that kind of accountability. They crave it. Poor ones run away, run away from it. So that goes way back to what? The very beginning, which is what? Recruiting, interviewing, yeah. and all that, right? People, I mean, it's like back to the simple things you're saying is the people make the difference on what we get and uh, what they invest, what they believe in, and how they do it. It's all connected. It's all yep. connected. And, and I always say we got to buy in. We, we can have employees and middle management can be forced to do it. If we don't have buy-in from top to bottom, we will not be successful. We might get some luck, but eventually we will roll, our, we'll roll off the tracks. And for me, I respectfully, after almost 18 years of selling insurance, I don't want to sell insurance anymore. I want to help selected people solve problems. And there's nothing we can't solve. You just got to be willing to do the work. And I always say, we can move. But it ain't going to happen overnight. It's constant reinforcement. It's that, that repetitive learning, repetitive anything. When you want to change something, anything we've done, it just it might take longer than you think. Are you willing to roll your sleeves up and do the work? Action, baby. That's all it is. And two, one of two things are going to happen, right? You will either win or you're going to learn. 100%. 100%. So let's talk about winning more often. Why is it important to be proactive versus reactive when it comes to HR, OSHA safety, and everything we've talked about so far? 
for me, to kind of give, go back to just some simple things I learned a long time ago. Um, when people think about insurance, they actually don't realize the actual aspect of what risk management is and that it's only just one part of what we do and that there's lots of different pain points. If you have no employees, you might have a little less, but most most businesses have a couple employees, which means there are things that have to be addressed, how they have to be handled, and what you do and how you do it make a world of difference. And, and I, I, I used to call it my broker survey, and what it was was questions about insurance, questions about safety, questions about HR, and questions about their current broker. And it was really meant for them to see if they can I'm going to do something different for them. Do they like what I'm going to do? And in return, I have the whole process of like, I'm going to work through their their documents and do everything. But this was kind of a qualifying factor of seeing, do you take this seriously? Do you actually want to do something different? Because I just listened to you for 20 minutes about your problems. The price was not necessarily the, the driver where we were. Yeah, of course you want to save money. Everyone does. But if you got a problem, let's solve the problem and hopefully we don't pay more. That's always my best gator. And let's solve the problem because you know what costs more money? A reactive check. Proactive checks usually 10 times less than what a reactive check will be. An EPLI policy ain't cheap. What's more expensive is a class action suit. So we all know the pain that comes. And I always say, what do you believe? And this, once again, goes back to culture of the leadership. Do they believe in a proactive approach or are they reactive? I know people that want and need to do things and are afraid to make the change. Yes, there's cost. But do you have 30 grand to pay an attorney on a retainer if you get hit? Because different things, and I, and I always look at it as like, make good business decisions. The best way to do that, give them the most information they can, way beyond insurance, do a full diagnostics of their business, and then help them solve their problem. You'll probably use insurance as part of it, but there are big problems or might be something totally different from insurance, which are HR, OSHA, work comp, all these different things. And by solving those problems, you'll earn the trust and the transaction of insurance will come quite easily. And then return, you'll create almost revenue streams in different areas that are new to you because of these opportunities that you're opening up. But also bigger than that, when you have a risk that, let's say, if you're an independent agent, you might have multiple companies that you're going to approach with a risk or a client, a potential client prospect at that point. When you're able to present a full risk management package that includes oh, HR, yeah. oh. safety, and everything yeah. else, and you I say, agree. look, this is already in place and it's been in place for the last two years under our agency's uh, counsel. Uh, that just creates a very strong point. And it's the beginning, um, uh, in addition to a lot of other things, of the uh, the answer to the question, why should people do business with this company over and above any and all other options available to them? Because they already have this proactively in place. And not only that, they've been consistently taking action historically over a period of time. I mean, it speaks for itself, right? You nailed it. I actually totally spaced on the whole aspect of underwriting. You do this, you're blowing any competition away as a submission. When you're actually bringing in the full, full portfolio of everything you're doing to protect the risk beyond getting a quote, you'll also find underwriters will sharpen their saw, really sharpen up, and you'll start seeing credits that you didn't even have access, access to. And then yep. you can even start leveraging everyone against each other a little bit more versus, hey, this is the best we got, and that's all I'm expecting, versus, well, I got this because we did this, this, and this. Believe me, underwriters want that business. That's a better risk for them to underwrite and give you pricing on than 
what everyone else is doing, which is just like, here's the product and you give me a price with no plan to do anything other than that. Yep. And because you were part of UPP Nation for a number of years, you know, anybody either watching or listening to this podcast isn't this. Congratulations, by the way. But there is another 80% of people out there that are the dreaded four-letter word, lazy, yes. right? Yeah, unfortunately, in our world, let's all be honest. Most people are lazy in our industry. Um, rise above your competition. If you give 10%, you'll rise above a little. You get 50%, you'll be blown away. You'll be sitting around by yourself. And then at that point, you're changing what you're doing. It's rare air up there, right? Well, for me, I mean, I, I'm excited about something that I'm doing right now. And it's due to the work I've been doing for 17 years. But specifically, we've had our own self-insured group for Cannabis Work Comp. I'm, I have the exclusive, exclusive broker in California. The leadership of my insurance carrier has now empowered me to go build the first Work Comp National Captive or work comp for cannabis. So I'm taking the model. I've got the data. We're in aggregating right now of more data, but I expect to have this live by year end, if not by quarter one next year. Really, I'll call that data. We've actually proven we're, we're doing so well in California, they don't believe it. Yeah, so you've got the exclusive in California. That's fantastic. You're heading towards national. What's next? Um, solving problems. I've uh, been working... Um, I'm a board member and a founder of a company called ITW. Um, it's a technological company that's basically started off as a solution base for the insurance industry, but we are now creating disruption and working for and with the largest MSOs or multi-state operators in the cannabis space. And ultimately, they have data that no one has. It's very scattered. Uh, they need help to aggregate it, digitize it, and we are doing that. And in return... Back to the point you said about submissions, we are providing submissions to the cannabis companies for insurance that has appeared anything we've ever seen. Um, and recently our group wrote the largest commercial auto fleet there was for the United States. Um, $2.5 million policy over wow. 11 different states. Awesome, congratulations. 400 units. And what's cool is another thing that people need to be aware of, and this is for all industries, telematics. When it comes to commercial auto is where the auto industry is going. Ferromatics is a carrier. There's a couple other carriers out there. Be looking to them. And they work outside of the campus industry. They work in uh, contractors. They, they work with fleets of 10 vehicles and more. And believe me, when you're just working with Progressive, uh, you'd be appreciative to have this. And it's all results-based, which makes me happy, which you can actually create corrective behavior when a driver does something good or bad, train them up. And ultimately, you can control your costs. And the way the model is based on is if you have good driving habits, you can get up to 20% credits on your rates on an annual basis. So it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, a company that I uh, worked with for many, many years uh, became a billion-dollar revenue company. Uh, they decided they had people on the ground in 31 states. They decided they want to buy their own vehicles primarily for one reason. Because they own the vehicles, exactly. they can put devices in the vehicles to monitor what's going on, telematics and the such. And I remember being in their corporate office, they had all these this big wall of you know screens where they could identify exactly what was going it's on. Every vehicle. Yeah. It's but, big brother, but it's very cool. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what it did financially in a positive way for their insurance program, amazing. So 
Jess, I know we could go on all afternoon about helping people. Go ahead and finish. That that group that we just wrote, we saved them a million dollars. That's the difference right there. Mm -hmm. That was a million dollar saving. That saved people's jobs. Mm -hmm. You know what's really awesome is the bonus that they're going to get from the program, which we're pretty confident they're going to get it. Instead of putting it to the P&L, you know what you're doing? He's incentivizing his entire leadership with bonuses so that they can reinforce what we need as culture. And that's another add-on to remember. It's like the money when saved can't go to the boss's P&L. It needs to kind of go sprinkle to the team so that we can reinforce and continue to lift up. Well, most good leaders uh, are just pulling people forward and they're not necessarily concerned about that first. So fantastic story. And I love that. I mean, that is that is phenomenal win. Thank you for sharing. So uh, based on what you're up to nowadays, you're helping people out there. You're helping businesses out there uh, with risk management, HR, OSHA safety, et cetera, et cetera. If somebody wants to get in touch with you and have a quick combo, how can they reach you? Um, they can either call or email me. Um, you got my cell. I have no problem letting it out. It's the same number that I've had for 20 years. So if anyone's on here and knows it and needs to call me, same number. Emails changed. Um, another thing I'm doing right now, and this is kind of interesting because I've had more and more outreaches. I've had insurance agencies actually ask me to train them, um, to actually have them learn how to get into the cannabis space. So I've done that for about five agency now, um, depending on the size of your firm, it's at least one to two days. Um, if it's something that depending on size producers, yada, yada, another thing, um, I've done them on zoom and in person. Um, so that's another opportunity. If people are needing help, we can help support that. Uh, but ideally, I've been just giving a lot of people direction. My background coming from auto and insurance, I'm building SOPs. But I, I actually, I'm now doing a little bit of in-house risk management for one of my old companies. I'm having fun. And ultimately, I'm still figuring out what I'm going to be doing because I don't want to work 70 hours a week for someone else. And I'm not anymore for the first time in a long time. Um, I'm blessed to have that. But more importantly, I'm pretty open on what I can do. And I'm having people ask me thing, to do things that I didn't even know, and there's a possibility. So ideally, I would say, let's have a conversation. We can go from there. Fantastic. And so uh, if anybody needs to get a hold of Jesse, uh, you can contact us at UPP, VIP, very important person, which is you, VIP at upplife.com. Just shoot an email to that email address, and we will put you two in touch, and uh, you guys can take it away. Jesse Parenti, thank you. It's good uh, to get caught up with what you're doing. Congratulations on all that you've accomplished so far. And what a privilege and honor it is to be in a position to get up every day and help people. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. Well, Mike, I I want to, uh, whether anyone wants to know this or not, I wouldn't be here without the man who's leading this. Mike has been my champion, my coach, my dear friend for a very long time. And it all started off with a bar napkin with him helping me and explain what EPLI was. So listen to this man. He will help lead you, protect you, and take you where you need. And thank you, Mike. I appreciate you and always will. Well, thank you for the kind words. It's an honor and a pleasure. And uh, there's nothing better, nothing better than impacting people's lives personally and professionally, which is what our core purpose here is. And I know now you're on a mission to pay it forward. So Good luck. Keep in touch and let us know how we can support you as well, sir. Thank you, UPP Nation. Be well. Jess, there's no other options. 
True that, brother. <laughs> hey, everybody. Well, uh, thank you so much. A phenomenal episode. And if this is your first time on the podcast, welcome. My name is Mike Strom. So I'm widely recognized as a leading author, speaker, and coach for the independent insurance agency industry. You can learn more about what we do at UPP at unstoppableprofitproducer.com. If you're interested in one of our virtual or live training events, you can find the virtual portal at uppfaststart.com. Or for one of our live events, just go to beunstoppablebootcamp.com. All of our events, everything we do is all designed with 35 plus years of money-making strategies in the independent insurance agency industry, 100% of the time, that's been my journey to help agencies grow their business, create wealth, so they can have more freedom to live life on their own terms. And like Jesse's doing, get out there and help people by solving problems and others. So we hope that you'll join us. And if you enjoyed this podcast, got great value out of it, please share it with somebody else that you know, might be another agent, a colleague, somebody else that you want to help by paying it forward as well. Just simply send them to unstoppableprofitpodcast.com. Go up to the top, click subscribe, and you won't miss one valuable episode. And I'm going to throw them a bonus in just a minute, Jess. So you can also find us out there on all the channels, uh, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, our YouTube channel, just go to our YouTube channel, Unstoppable Profit Producer, hit videos. All of our money-making strategies, all of our podcasts are there for your ongoing and continued learning. So thank you for being with us. And Jesse was talking about data. So the bonus is, Jess, uh, we're still live on this. So if you don't know, that's fine. Do you know Seth Zaramba? I don't know if I do. So time for an introduction. So uh, go back about eight to 10 episodes of the podcast Watch or listen to the podcast from Seth Zaramba, who's a major data guy. So that's why I need to connect you two. You said something, and I, I'll put you two together. Uh, enjoy that one, too. Uh, it's one of our most watched podcasts of all time until this one. So anyway, uh, super excited to introduce you two. So that's what it's all about, everybody. Helping others get better, achieve more. So thank you for joining us. And until next time, get out there, make a difference, be unstoppable, leave no regrets. And like Steve Jobs said, don't be afraid. You can do it. We'll see you in the next episode. You love the podcast, but don't know where or how to get started? Come join our next virtual training while seats are still available. Register now at uppfaststart.com. That's uppfaststart.com.